Then, you know, this is a fireside chat. We're going to be joined today with Ashley Cortez. And we're just waiting for the rest of the mods to join. And then um, at 8, we will go ahead and get started. I do see some new joiners today, so I'm excited um, to have Ashley. Excited to be here. Hey, Katie, how are you? I'm good. I, uh, <laughs> out of breath, I just ran up my stairs and I always realize how out of shape I am when I get on a call immediately after doing <laughs> that. <laughs> no, it was funny. I, um, I <laughs> took my daughter to the park, my daughter and my son, and she met friends and it was like 7.40 and I was like, we have to go. She's like, no, tell daddy to come get me. I'm like, go, like, have to go now. So. That's right. We have a very, very important guest tonight. Have to start on time. Hi, Ashley. It's so great to meet you. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. The whole idea of crisis communications and management is uh, it's a little overwhelming for many of us. So I'm really excited to pick your brain a little and hear your yeah, story and how you ended up in, um, in this position. Yeah, hot topic right now for sure. Yeah, certainly. So it is right at the top of the hour. It's eight o'clock. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. And as we progress, we'll have more to join us. But it is a fireside chat. Uh, um, I am a host Octavia Howell right now. I am the CISO for Equifax Canada. And I'm happy to be here. Our guest today is Ashley Forte. Ashley is a senior director and head of crisis management at Equifax. Um, she's a global crisis management leader, and uh, she is one of my colleagues and someone who I confide in, and um, and I call on her to to run through a lot of our crisis management exercises. So um, we have Ashley, and I will. So what we'll do is uh, we will go ahead and you know get. Uh, Katie and if the other moderators join, we'll get them to introduce themselves and then we'll have you introduce yourself, Ashley. And so just wanted to kind of give you guys a set and just how we how we're gonna do things. Um anything and everything we say is of our own opinion and does not represent the opinions of our of our employers, uh past, present, or future. Uh everything that we say is um is something that we we believe in and, and we're just here to have fun and help the cyber community um anything else i left out katie no i think that's the thing and then also if anyone is interested in um joining us every single week um you click on the little greenhouse at the top of the uh in the top left and then you'll be able to be alerted to uh when we have these and by the way we have them every single week did you I, you might have said that already but um Sometimes I was actually on a call today and somebody was like, how do I find this live podcast thing you do? What is this clubhouse thing? So, um, yeah, so if you follow that, uh, if you click on the little uh, greenhouse, that means you'll be uh, alerted to any of the um, rooms that we host here in the Fireside Chat. So, Awesome. As Katie said, we do this every Wednesday, 8 o'clock to 930. 
So I will I'll introduce myself. I will go ahead and shoot it over to Katie. Well, thank you, Octavia. Yeah, um, I'm Katie Hanahan. I am a uh, vice president of cybersecurity strategy for IT Savvy, which is a boutique um, uh, cybersecurity firm and also um, a traditional bar out of Chicago. And then I also lead their VCSO practice. So I'm a practitioner as well. And that's newer for me. So I've learned so much from being a part of this room and working with, um, you know, the, the rest of the moderators and putting together these uh, incredible rooms. So um, I am super excited to, to hear about Ashley's origin story tonight and um, just, uh, you know, really happy to be a part of this, uh, this community here in the fireside chat. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Um, Ashley, we're going to ask you to introduce yourself, if you don't mind. And why, as you're introducing yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and just what drives you and maybe give us a little bit of your origin story. Sure thing. So my name is Ashley Corte. As Octavia said, I am the Senior Director over Global Crisis Management at Equifax. I've been at Equifax almost three years now. So I spent the, the bulk of my career at Equifax dealing with the pandemic, so it's been fun. Um, but a little background on me, I'm actually, I ride, reside in Atlanta, Georgia currently, um, but I'm from Washington State, born and raised, small country town, so grew up very small town. Um, just to paint the picture, it is known for their rodeo. I think they're actually one of the top 10 rodeos in the nation, so... Um, I was eager, just based on my personality, to get out of that, that world. And I moved to Seattle when I graduated from high school, lived there for several years before deciding that I was going to go to school in New York. So I left, went to St. John's University. I had a partial academic scholarship to go there. Uh, I studied marketing and advertising. And then um, that's actually when the recession hit. So I was like, oh, nine, oh, eight, oh, nine. I ended up leaving, going back home. Um, and then I ended up in Georgia about 12 years ago. So from there, you know, I've worked for the most of my career. It's actually been in relationship management and project implementation. Those are the two areas that I have historically thrived in. Um, so that's on the professional side. On the personal side, I am a mother to the most unique and amazing little girl. She's five years old. Her name is Giovanni. She is my motivation for absolutely everything that I do. Um, she keeps me on my toes for sure. Octavia, I think you might have met her. You've definitely seen her jump in on some meetings. It's kind of what she does. She makes herself known. Um, but that being said, it takes up, you know, makes up a lot of who I am today and what drives me. So I am very, very passionate just about people rights and human rights and equality and women and making sure that we create space within every place, whether it's per personally, professionally, what I do within Equifax. Um, I'm always looking for a way to make sure that we create opportunity and help people. Um, and so I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the role that I have in the oversee crisis management, as well as emergency response for 48 different facilities that we have on a global scale. Um, so it's a big role, it's a busy role, but I have a lot of fun doing that. 
And because it goes hand in hand with being able to help others and really engage and interact with you know other people, 10 years of my life I spent as a relationship manager. So I really enjoy that aspect of that. I've been able to continue on with that through my work at Equifax. Um, so I'm an open book. Anything you ask me for the most part is not off limits, um, but I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. I love having these types of conversations. I think that, you know, I can definitely share my story and, and my experience and the things that I'm still continuing to learn today, but I also have the opportunity through this conversation to learn from you all. So I will kick it back to you, Octavia. Awesome. That's, um, that's awesome, Ashley. You know, one of the things that uh, I know the story, but I really want you to tell our audience about like just how you got into security and like the relationships and what that what networking means to you and to progress your career. Sure. So I was actually recruited um, to get over to Equifax. I had absolutely zero background in crisis management, emergency response, security in general. It just not, was not where I had focused my career. However, uh, the at the time, my predecessor, she was looking to expand her team and I actually worked with her husband at a, another office. And when she was describing to him what she was looking for, um, the, the words that she actually used was, I'm looking for a bulldog, somebody that can come in, help revamp this program and really get it to the, the next level that we're, where we're trying to go as an organization. And so with that, they reached out to me, asked me if I was interested. It sounded really challenging, which is something that I enjoy within every position. If I'm not being challenged, I will lose interest pretty quickly. Um, so I interviewed, ended up getting the job and then was just kind of thrown into crisis management. And I had to learn all things crisis, all things cyber very quickly. Um, within my first six months of being at Equifax, one of our team members decided that she wanted to go be a teacher. So she just went on a completely different career path and then the other was promoted. And so she took another role. And two weeks later, COVID-19 hit. So I was initiated very quickly into crisis management. Um, but as, as stressful as it was during those first few months of 2020, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, we have such an amazing team. And there was a lot of times where I felt like the, you know, it was the imposter syndrome where I was surrounded by, and I sit within our cybersecurity room. So just surrounded by these brilliant minds. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but they never made me feel out of place. It was really just my own insecurities in that moment. And through you know my time over the last three years, just the collaboration and the teamwork and the culture that we have, I have grown tremendously. My technical skills have grown. I can actually keep up with conversations at this point. Um, so it's it's been a really good experience for me over the last three years. Thanks for sharing, Ashley. Katie, over to you. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, so many questions. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying. I'm a foreign aid worker, a, a former foreign aid worker who ended up in cybersecurity. And I, I tell that story on a regular basis because I think a lot of people don't really get the connection, uh, you know, people who aren't in our industry between wanting to truly help people and, um, and, and how that actually correlates to this industry. Um, curious, during your time um, during COVID, um, one of the things that I'm learning right now and have had a, couple, a few conversations with on this and other podcasts recently is just around uh, leadership and focusing on the human being. Um, so how have you managed um, from a, you know, an individual perspective, how are you leading people through um, their own crisis while working for you in this crisis management group? I, that's a great question. It, it is just focus. It is just that you focus on the people, and you know I'm very procedure driven. And the world that we live in, right, is it relies on structure and having a procedure. But once we got that piece under control, it really was stepping back and just taking a moment. I remember our, one of our, our former colleagues had said that at one point, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And that really resonated with me um, because I think a lot of people were putting on this really brave face as we're trying to get through, you know, and we had no idea what was next to come. Nobody, you know, at least within our lifetime had been through this. So from a leadership perspective, I felt that I had to put on that brave face, but at the same time could be open and transparent and vulnerable with my team. And as you showed a little bit more of that vulnerability, um, people opened up to you and it actually helped me just expand my network within Equifax, right? Because you see that human aspect and you build these relationships that I don't think we normally would have built had it not been for COVID. I mean, I think it's been a horrible, horrible situation. It's been very families, but there is some good to that, right? And at least that's how I try and look at it is it made me shift my focus and reprioritize what is important. Is it coming to work and just doing the task and getting that and going home? Or is it really taking the time to know the people that I'm working with they're going through and letting them know that it's okay. If you need a moment, take that moment because that's so important. And I think a lot of people have kind of started to take that mindset of, I need to take some time for me. Um, and so with that, I feel like we've developed some really, really strong relationships. And I think that's really just by being vulnerable with each other and not being afraid to let that guard down, letting people know when, you know, you are a little bit stressed out. Um, I know I definitely let people know. So um, I think that was just my stance accept people for who they are, give them grace and be vulnerable and you'll, you'll build these really amazing relationships. I liked what you said at the beginning there. It's okay to be okay. And actually I appreciated that when I made the joke about being a little out of shape and out of breath that you and Octavia both embraced me. You're like, yes, it's okay. It's okay to not be 100% right. in shape. <laughs> You're doing your best. <laughs> no, I, I do appreciate that. And you also said something that, that struck me. And since it's a smaller moderator stage today, I'm imagining we'll just run this more like a conversation for a little while, uh, if that's okay with you, Octavia. I want oh, to- 
Thank you. Cool. Um, and and I'm and I'm newer to to you guys. I've known each other a long time. So, um, one of the things you said too about imposter syndrome is interesting to me um, because I noticed myself doing it at the beginning. I said, "Well, I'm kind of a new VC so person," but I always failed to tell, like, to really say, like, I have 18 years of cybersecurity experience and a multiple, you know, verticals and 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 types of experiences, and and I I tend to. Um, still have that to this day and i have a mentor in the audience nate smolensky who has always been really helpful in saying and reminding me like this oh, is i love nate we had to work hey, together hey, hey. oh you did oh, i love it. i love the small world oh i thought he was showing up to to hear me here today it's all you um, but it's all right. you. I, I see i see you nate um but no but but back to that point though ashley what i really appreciated though is that when you were in a position where you had to really take uh take charge and move forward um that has to come from somewhere too in the fireside chat um one of the things we like to do is just kind of dig into where did that really come from because the other thing that um in our industry we talk about a lot and in this room a lot is how do we get the next generation of cybersecurity professionals um to not leave our industry and not only that to recruit really talented people into this industry so um how do we make them feel welcome here from your perspective I think a lot of it has to do with the culture of an organization. Um, my, you know, I, I think what helped me overcome that was I was never made to feel, you know, less than. It was never anything that anybody within my immediate circle had had done or said that they were. If I didn't understand and I asked a question, they would turn to me and, and take the time to explain it. And that has continued. That's never stopped. It's such a great team to be on. So I think really it's number one, just being aware that everybody is coming in at different levels. Um, also, just as the person that was, you know, on the outside, if you will, don't be afraid to say that. And I, you know, ended up making a lot of jokes about it as we were, you know, getting into like the nitty gritty of things. Um, that if I didn't understand something, I would just keep on saying, uh, control, alt, delete. Like that was my joke on, I don't know what you're talking about right now. And with that, it just turned into them. Essentially, I had a room full of mentors. And so it was just this, I think that came from top down with this is how we, we operate. You know, we are one team here. And if somebody needs help, then you help them. And I think it was done just completely subconsciously. It wasn't a second thought from anybody. Um, so I think to answer that, it's just knowing that you ha may have a skill set that somebody else could benefit from and being willing to share that. And then at the same time, also being receptive to that, not only can you share with them, but what can you learn from them, right? I come with a completely different skill set where I build programs. Um, as far as, you know, like the crisis management program and having to revamp that. So um, what can you learn from me when it comes to procedures and processes and, you know, plans and whatnot? So it really just was a partnership. So just being open and receptive and acknowledging that. And then, of course, just, you know, not making somebody don't ever, I guess, purposely uh, make somebody feel as if they are less than. But I never experienced that. So. That's what I think got me to come out of my shell, and, and I've learned a lot since then. I appreciate your candor. Yeah, no, back to you, Octavia. Yeah, no, it's um, it's funny because, like, as you were talking, um, 
actually, I thought about some conversations that we've had on the Fireside Chat in the past about, um, you know, some women being told that they can't do things. And I, like, I always tell people, it's like, I'm pretty sure someone probably said it in a room where I wasn't in the room that, that said I can't do it, but no one was ever bold enough to say it to my face. And like, I just know actually your personality, right? And like, I just wonder, have you ever been, um, approached that way? Or like, how did you handle if someone did, or if you felt like someone doubted your capabilities? Hey, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a really good call out. I definitely have been, um, I mean, it's just been said straight to my face. Um, so for me, it was actually not with, with leadership skills or my actual professional skill set. It was, unfortunately, it was said to me by another female. Um, but when I was at a, another company, I had applied for leadership role. And during the interview process, what was said to me was I have every quality that they're looking for in being a leader and they had without a doubt knew that I could manage that program and build it and take that to the next level. However, my being a single mom, they questioned my ability to actually manage the time and therefore they did not give me the position. Um, and that was their reason why. So I understood in that moment, obviously highly illegal, right? It was discriminatory in nature, but the way I responded to that, it was, it was a challenge for me. Um, I, at that point, obviously no longer wanted to do business there. And I took that as there's always another organization out here. You're no longer deserving of my time. I actually left and went to Equifax. Um, but with that, it did impact me. So I did not share with anybody at Equifax for the first year almost, um, that I was a single mom because I was so driven to get to that next level. I started Equifax as an analyst in 2019 and I was promoted to senior director in 2020. So I moved up very quickly, um, but I did not, I had this fear that that was going to prevent me from being able to do the job that I knew I was capable of doing. So I didn't actually share that information until I had to because COVID was full blown. We were all at home. We were talking about childcare situations. I just had to kind of come out and say, I don't have anybody to watch my daughter. So that's why I was at home. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess, Octavia, to answer your question, I've definitely been told that before. Every time that I have been challenged or it's been implied that I'm not capable of doing something, um, it has come from other women. And to me, I take that as in a weird way, right? Because I'm very competitive. That's just a compliment because to me, you see me as a threat. And I think that's unfortunate because I am all about partnership and how we can lift each other up. Um, but, you know, and I think hopefully as I move throughout my career, one of the things that I would love to do is just model that for other women. I think Octavia, you do a really great job at that as well, is we're not here to break each other down. Let's lift each other up and move forward because we can do so much more good um, you know, as we go through our careers and our personal lives. Um, and I've been super, super grateful to have an overwhelming amount of support from leadership, both male and female within Equifax. So they've helped me really just thrive to where I'm at today. Well, I'm, 
uh, holding myself back a little bit. Uh, I'm a single mom. <laughs> so uh, Single moms unite. <laughs> uh, it is, it is a, and it's interesting because it is, um, there, are, there are others who simply don't understand that we can absolutely have a very uh, fulfilling life and uh, be great moms and also be amazing at work and do an amazing job and contribute more than than anyone else right so it's it's one of those things where um i i took a very deep breath when when you said that because it's there were so many stories and i what i've been trying to do in recent years um is just really start to focus on okay how do i drive that change and one of those things that i would do in this case is just bring it back to you're here because you are really great at your your job you have amazing relationships, you have amazing accomplishments. And I have a bunch of questions for you about your work. And uh, so rather than spend yeah. time on that, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, we are single mothers, we are women, um, but we are cybersecurity leaders and, and thought leaders and doing really neat things. So it's, um, I, I, if I could, I'd like to, to bring, it, bring it back to that because, um, I think that uh, what you're doing is is so interesting. And I was wondering how much can you share about, do you have anything from a, what is the most dramatic or what is the, a day in the life of your, your position look like? Do you have a, a three o'clock in the morning kind of bat phone situation or are you, are you, um, do you have a, how big is the team of people that are working for you? Um, what is a day in, in the life and working for an organization so large with, you know, 48, you know, uh, locations that you're, you're managing, et cetera. I'm just really curious about, um, how that actually works. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the most hectic thing I've ever been through, at least within Equifax is, is the pandemic. Um, I mean, at the time it was, you know, it happened so quickly when it really hit the United States, but we're a global organization and we at the, I think what the, at the time it was like 11, 11 or 12,000 employees um, and trying to figure out how to keep them all safe right that was the the first thing that went through everybody's mind is what do we need to do how do we get them remote um and yes there were definitely some crazy hours during that time i i think on average throughout 2020 because at the time i was a team of one um because as i shared earlier somebody else had left the team and then another person had been promoted so it was just me from January of 2020 through June of 2020. Um, a lot of long nights, you know, having to jump on the phone with people in India or Australia, the UK, just, you know, crazy different time zones because those cities were, were shutting down and having to coordinate that. So I think that was probably the biggest crisis I have faced while at Equifax um, and <laughs> fingers crossed we are you know almost at the end here um, but for me it's managing my time very well very well very very well I so in total on my direct team we are a team of two we are a very small team um, however we have 13 crisis teams globally 
and with on the, within those crisis teams, Octavia actually sits on one of them with us. Um, but I'd say there's anywhere from 20 to 50 members per team. So those are my, the other side is I have, I have emergency response and they have to manage 48 different teams. Um, so it's just a lot of coordination, making sure we stay on task, but a day in the life for me, you know, it's, there's really not crises on a regular basis, um, which is a great thing, but there's a lot of planning. And one of the biggest things that I always talk about is just this element of preparedness. So there's three key things within my role, one of which is very strategic. So I am responsible for developing all of the plans um, for all of our crisis teams, making sure that you know we have incident response capabilities in place and supporting those teams. I also train all of those teams through tabletop exercises, as well as real-time simulations. They're all hypothetical scenarios, but they go through these pressure tests, if you will, at least once a year with every single team. Um, and that includes our, our senior leadership team here in Atlanta, as well as our board of directors. So nobody's safe from participating in those. We are adamant that being prepared is going to be your key to success in your response and recovery in the event something happens. Um, and then the, the last piece of, of what I do is the emergency response, as well as responding to live incidents. So if there is a live incident, which we deem a crisis, I would respond and support that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, so one of the things that I know, so you talked about being in crisis management for um, for the last um, a little like four years and kind of not being in security before then. But one thing I know is that you dug in, right? Do you mind kind of sharing like what you do in the industry, what you um, what what your goals are when it comes to like your you know when you do I think it's like the global crisis management organization that you participate in. It's like what are what drives you to continue to kind of be an advocate for crisis management? Um, I'm very just driven, number one, by, by who I am. I, you know, of course, I spoke on it earlier. My daughter, she motivates me. I am everything to her. And so I have to succeed. It's kind of the way that I, that I think, but I'm also a workaholic. So with that, was brand new to global security, was brand new to cybersecurity, crisis management, I wanted to learn absolutely everything I could about that. Um, so I actually purchased crisis management books and emergency response books, like textbooks that you would see, you know, through a university, um, because I wanted to understand the foundation of it. The same thing with cybersecurity. You know, right now I'm studying for CompTIA. Um, I enjoy understanding the history. Where did it come from? And then that way I can apply that to my daily life. And through that, I've just, any opportunity that has presented itself, whether it's within Equifax or externally, um, I've jumped on. If it's a networking opportunity, it is a chance to learn or, you know, acknowledging this person right here is really good in this area. I'm going to make sure that we connect so that I can learn from them. It's just a constant learning for me. I love to learn. I'm kind of, you know, self-proclaimed nerd in that sense. I read all the time. Um, 
but it was just a matter of I didn't feel like I fit in, but I was really, really intrigued by it. I found it to be so fascinating on every different element. You know, my team reports directly under physical security, but we also have investigations and we have cybersecurity and intel. And so there's just so many different areas within global security that I find interesting that I kind of just want to learn about each one. So with that, any opportunity that I have to learn from others, I will do. Um, and I, you know, you spoke on it, Octavia, I've just recently started branching out and doing some external speaking about our program. Um, I'll be speaking again in, in Canada in a few months. So it's been a lot of fun for me in that aspect. And that's pretty much how I'm, I'm learning. I'm just learning as I go. Yeah, I think that's that's something that we have to always do and always keep in mind. Like, even though like we you know one of the things um, our global CISO says, like, it's not, you know, it's this there's a never ending journey. Like, it's just it's never ending. And so um, some people say it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But it's like there's no finish line. Right. We just continue. And I think in learning, we have to continue as well. Katie, I'll pass it back over to you. You want to do a quick reset? Yeah, sure. Um, so hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. It's Fireside Chat with Ashley Court. Um, this happens every single Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, we run for about an hour and a half. Um, this evening, we have, uh, you know, a couple of mods here that are on stage. We usually at about 40 minutes into the program, we open it up to the audience. So I hope that um, especially a couple of the people here in the audience, I hope that you'll come up on stage, raise your hand. I'll invite you up and, um, and ask a couple of questions of, of Ashley this evening and continue the conversation. Um, before we do that, though, I, if I could just ask a couple of more uh, little things, Ashley, um, you know, what I find really interesting, too, is that um, although we're, you know, I'm a woman in, in Chicago, you're a woman living in Atlanta, uh, you're working in crisis management, I'm working in uh, more of a cyber strategy role. Um, there are a lot of, there's such, so many things that are in common. We're both single moms. I mean, I will say that again, because I do, I do actually do think that what you said earlier, I wanted to go back to it for one second, because I think you're right. I think that it is so hard that when someone can't do it, they might be a little jealous. I'm not, I don't know, Ashley, I, I, you, I think it, it might be true because it, what we do is hard. And mm -hmm. if other time, if we get a little bit of shade sometimes, I think it is because, and I, you know, I've, I've gotten my own and I just think, well, I don't think they really think they could do it and they're just throwing that shade over there because because of that but um there are so many things that we have in common and so as you're rolling out these programs and it sounds like you're hitting the speaking circuit a little bit more and you're um you're going to be up in canada speaking i'm assuming to an, another group within equifax maybe octavia's group or something but um you know as you're preparing for that i mean again i'm getting back to the um how do you um, outside of the procedure and getting back to the human element, um, how do you look at what could happen? Is there a, an imagining of what could happen? And is there preparation around that within your position as well? Yeah, I do a lot of market research. I look at what's going on within the industry. Um, you know, what is a potential threat to Equifax? And then because we're a global organization, I also have to look at every country that we operate in and what is the biggest threat to those teams. Um, 
And then from there, I begin to build out exercises or speaking materials, preparation materials. It's really understanding what their needs are as a team, um, you know, because at the end of the day, we have so many different cultures and we have to be, you know, we have to respect that. And then businesses operate differently in different countries. And so making sure that we tailor our response or we tailor our training to meet the needs of them is, is really key to what I do. So I spend a lot of time reading online, um, having conversations as well with those teams, what's going on locally that you know I need to better understand. And then from there, I can take away and just do my own research. But it helps me understand that you know what may be an impact or a potential risk within the United States is not the same risk in Australia um, or India or Chile, right? So I have to really wrap my brain around while we are based in the US, we are global and we have multiple risks that we face on a daily basis. Um, and that's essentially where I start and then I build from there. Yeah, I want to build on that, um, Ashley, if you can, because I know we had to kind of break this down within um, within my leadership team. Could you explain to everyone on the call, like, what exactly is a crisis and what do you define in your scope of work? Yep. So a crisis to Equifax, and I, I always like to clarify that because I think it's different to a lot of different organizations, but in the space that we sit, it is a situation that is highly disruptive um, and that sits outside the scope of your business continuity plans. So we have an insane amount of business continuity plans and disaster recovery plans at Equifax, but something may happen to where operationally you're not going to be able to recover or you may have an impact or an outage, right? That impacts X number of customers. Um, that needs more oversight. So for us, it's, it's highly disruptive. It interrupts your operations and you cannot recover or you don't think you're going to be able to recover within that established RTO um, that you have set within your BCP. At that point in time, that's typically when we would deem that this is a potential or a crisis or has the potential to reach that crisis level. Um, and what I mean by that is not all incidents, right? And that's where most everything starts. It's an incident. They don't lead to crises. But I firmly believe that if you mishandle an incident and you don't have the proper procedures in place from that base level, you will 100% go into a, a crisis uh, place or place of crises. And, you know, from there we have to step in. Did that answer your question, Arcadia? Yeah, it did. I wanted to kind of double click in like types of crises, right? Like when would just in general, not necessarily the way that Equifax um, functions, but just like, you know, if we have a CISO or someone um, or someone who's looking to get into crisis management or maybe, you know, even thinks like on the on the edge of like, hey, I'm, I need to actually know when to engage. Like at what points, like outside the BCP plans, but like I know there's 
you know, a crisis where it may be environmental or act of God, there may be a cyber crisis. Like, could you go a little bit and click down a little bit more? Yeah. So natural disasters, very, very common, probably the most common crises you'll face, whether it's hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. Um, from there, it's anything that could potentially tarnish your brand. So that could be, you know, people within your organization that are higher up and within the public eye or m and that's gone wrong or gone sideways. You have whistleblowers, um, inside, insider threats um, that may be exposing an organization to something. So, and of course, there's always that element of, of cyber, which will forever, I think, in my opinion, remain a potential crisis. It's also the human element. And we've talked about that a little bit, but people, people can be unpredictable. And that's a big piece of what I do, especially where I sit within physical security um, and responding to making sure your building is secure or what to do in the situation where you may have, you know, workplace violence or a hostile intruder. Um, so there's so many different ways it could go. Um, financial, you name it. I think there's nothing off limits when it comes to what could potentially be a crisis. Thank you for going into that. Uh, we have Ryan on the stage. And if anyone wants to ask Ashley uh, a question, just kind of reset one more time. We have Ashley Corte, Senior Director of Global Crisis Management at Equifax. And if you want to come on stage, ask Ashley a question, feel free to do that. Ryan, go ahead. Over to you. Hi, thank you. Um, hi, Ashley. Nice to meet you. Um, man, I just love hearing all this, like, this different perspective that you have. Um, I... Uh, I've shared this group before that I um, actually started my degree in disaster management before really getting into cyber. So I feel like it's very similar, but at the same time, very different. Um, I know that kind of falling off Octavia's question, one of the questions I had for you was along the lines of how do you, how, do you do anything specific for cybersecurity incidents? Um, do you treat them differently? I know you kind of just started to go into that, but we're just obviously <laughs> being a very cyber-minded group. I know I'm curious to know maybe even what you do very differently for non-cyber related events. Um, I had another question, but I was just kind of like, just like kind of, you know, itching to ask that after, after Octavia kind of started going down that path. <laughs> sure. Nice to meet you as well. Um, yes. So I do, I do handle cyber incidents differently. Um, we have a completely separate plan. So I have my regional plans, but I also have a, a separate plan that's tailored to cyber and incident response. I would say the biggest difference with, with the cyber team is how important it is to be accurate um very very detailed in the response um and then ensuring that i have every key stakeholder that i need involved so it's knowing everybody you know that networking piece really comes into play at that point on knowing who is who within what organization obviously we have rosters available at all times but um it's just structure accuracy 
and very, very timely responses uh, is essentially the biggest difference with cyber because most times when it's, you know, natural disaster or something of that nature, it's more, it happens and then it's, let's fix it and make sure we can remain operational, whether that's moving somebody to a different site, going, you know, executing your remote strategies, et cetera. Um, cyber is obviously much different. So I would say that's the biggest difference that I have there between the two teams. That's interesting because on one end, while from my 10 years in cyber, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you were just saying things, obviously, like the pandemic and workplace violence. So like it's sometimes I think I forget how important what we do is or what we do is how important it can be. But that totally makes sense. Um, I had one other question, which just again, based on your story and everything you shared, um, if you had to do it all over again, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, and maybe why? Within my professional career, personal. You know what? I'm going to, you ask that question. I'll let you answer <laughs> that how you feel it could best be of uh, entertainment or of value to <laughs> all of us. Um, but no pressure. So, but clearly, um, you know, if you feel like you would do anything different, you know, you're more, or two things. I mean, I think we all look, can look back at life at, with experienced eyes and say, oh, I had only done this right. So. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I probably could have done a lot of things different in my personal life, but, you know, I, I think it's a really good question and it's, it's not the first time I've had this question and I'm, I'm pausing a little bit because I don't think my answer has changed. Um, although I got into global security later within my career, I think that everything that I did leading up to that prepared me um, to be successful within my role here. So I, I, if I had to do it all over again, I don't think I would change anything. I think that if you make the best of every opportunity that you have and you take something away from it, even if it's not a, you know, ends up being the right place or corporation or whatever for you, if you can take something from that and apply that in that next step within your career path, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's worth it. So if I had to do it all over again, I, I would do it all over again, same way. I love that. Um, and just maybe I'll just, just admit. So originally when you were telling your story, you shared how you went to school in New York. And I don't think you did say what you majored in. And so me being the curious cat, I almost asked you that. But then with your LinkedIn profile um, at the top, I kind of kind of looked. And I was just curious because I know quite a few people who've come into cyber. It wasn't really their first thought. And they went to school for something different. So on one end, I was curious if you would have gotten your degree in something different. But on a second end, I will share that since you did get your degree in psychology, um, I feel like you've obviously had a lot of time to probably analyze and reanalyze your psyche here and your thoughts on this. I just find that to be <laughs> really cool that you have this psychology degree. I can't say that at my time in Clubhouse that uh, anyone else has had that. So kudos to that. And I will also add, I was raised by a single mother. So kudos to you both. Ashley, Katie, and anyone else. Um, Thank and that you. Said, uh, I, oh, uh, Ashley, I don't know. I think Katie was just, um, if you hit the mic button, like, like fast, That's, it's kind of like uh, applauding. 
I was applauding. Oh, Ashley, if you're new to Clubhouse, yeah, <laughs> that's what applaud. That, that's applauding Clubhouse. So I could probably ask you questions all day, but I will stop there. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. My pleasure, of course. No, that's funny. So it's it's interesting that you guys keep bringing up the single mothers thing <laughs> because, like, and I tell Ashley, like, we'll have these meetings because we. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's good especially we started in a pandemic sometimes it's like hey you want to jump on a call real quick like i just need to like uh right and it's funny because i everyone who knows me especially at work knows that i am not a single mother and i uh and i think that i would like crawl under something if i were because i you guys are like superheroes <laughs> like, i have no idea how in the world you do it and stay sane? Because I think I probably would be like, ah, I'm out. But uh, my mother was a single mother and I still think that I would be out. So kudos to you. And if anybody ever says a single mother can't do anything, clearly they've never really met a single mother. Like, cause oh. these, these people lift houses with like pinkies. So, hey. A mother, regardless of a single mother or not, I think just has the power to do anything, especially for her kids. And on that note, I just realized, you know, the timing, but um, happy belated Mother's Day. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Of course, how, like, great of timing to have Ashley here and to bring not only emphasis, but but appreciation and a story of strength and and one to admire. So just calling out, because, like, I literally was like, wait, was Mother's Day last weekend? Like, it's only, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> only Wednesday? <laughs> No, we do appreciate that. And yeah, it is funny. It's, and it's, we talked about it earlier, you know, Ashley, and um, you said something too, where you said you didn't tell anyone. Well, very, very early on in my career, I had just gotten my very first job out of college and I was 25. I went until I was about eight months pregnant and I just, I didn't say anything about it. <laughs> I just kept How? walking around. They just, nobody, I just, if, if someone said something, I just didn't, I had just started my first real job out of college. Wow. <laughs> and, I just, wow. and I just, yeah. And at that time there wasn't even like paid maternity leave. And so then at the time I was in a consulting role where, you know, they were like, well, we're going to, we're assuming, you know, you won't come back and all these things that just are ridiculous. And I, I think, oh gosh, you know, and that 17 year old right now is over at his um, lacrosse practice. But I think that things have changed so much. And, and the thing that I'm trying to be cognizant now of when I'm in an executive leadership role is that there are still sometimes these biases that you alluded to earlier, Ashley, where someone says, oh, well, because of your life or your life situation, you can't do a job. Well, certainly that doesn't seem you know, fair. I mean, I don't know that you know, anyone would go into anyone's personal life and say, just because of one significant thing, it could be caring for a, a family member who's ill or something else like that. And it, it just, it should never be looked at as a, a, a an, uh, you know, an impotent or a, a, an impediment. What did, what did I just say? Impet uh, an impediment to, <laughs> wow, I clearly, wow, there's a lot there. Let's unpack that with a psychology degree, actually. Wow. Okay. Uh, that was fun, though. I really enjoyed that. Um, you know who's going to save the day, though, uh, right now is my friend Matthew, <laughs> who just joined the stage because saved by the bell of the physical security expert. And I, I pinged Matthew uh, earlier because I wanted to see what his perspective was as well, because he's 
very interesting. I actually ran a, a, a physical security room with him where we talked about the convergence of physical security and cybersecurity. So I'm really glad that Matthew was able to come back on stage and save me from that. Um, but then also ask some questions because I'm sure you have a few for Ashley. So over to you, Matthew. Yeah, so th thanks for having me up, Katie and Ashley, Octavia, Ryan, and Jennifer. Nice to meet everybody or say hello again. Um, I apologize for the communications issues, Katie. That was what uh, what happened there. You invited me, and I, I wound up uh, not in Clubhouse, but you know how that works, uh, my own little crisis. So, um, Ashley, if you answered this question already, um, I apologize for missing it. But just a little bit of background. Um, I actually did emergency readiness for one of the world's largest insurers for about four years. Um, and I ran a global security compliance program for them. So I had um, about 1,500 locations. And it was, it was kind of a nightmare to, uh, to sleep. So I wanted to give you kudos for being a single mom and being able to pull off a, um, a global program. And I was just wondering how it is that, um, that you manage the responsibilities of incident response and being a single mother, um, because I know that's an extremely difficult thing to do. So I was wondering if you can maybe get into that just a little bit. Sure. Well, first, thank you for you. Yeah, I joke a lot when people ask me that question. I'm like, why just cry a lot when I get home? But in all seriousness, um, it's just been it's been learning to to manage my time and in a way over the last couple of years because it has rough definitely in 2020. I think we might be losing you a little bit, Ashley. Acknowledging? Is that, oh, oh, can you hear me? We missed the last, no. yeah, 10 seconds. Yeah, you were cutting out a tiny bit. I just, I wasn't sure if it was just me, um, but if you, might want to start. Okay. Is so that better now? I can hear you now. Yep. It's much okay. better now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, essentially it it's just a matter of, of managing my time and drawing a fine line between what needs to be done now and what I can handle tomorrow or the next day and sticking to that. Um, because what started to happen was my daughter i think the first time she said it she was three but she said you know you always work all the time and that to me was a, a big red flag right it's, it's one thing for her to see that i'm driven and that you can be successful and you nobody can stop you it's another for her to feel the impact of me constantly working so because it's a global program it was just a matter of finding time you know at five o'clock unless I have to be in a meeting, that's my stop time. And from five to seven 30, that is my time with her. And I devote that time to her until she goes to bed. And then from there, if I have to work or if there's other things I want to get done, I'll flip back to that. But it was just a matter of reorganizing and reprioritizing. Um, as much as I love my job at the end of the day, she's always going to come first. So it's uh, just a matter of time management and making my child a priority. That's that's really awesome. That's great and and very good to hear. Um, I don't think that I did as well in my early career with uh, 
with managing the family and and the work. So it's it's good to hear that that work life balance is there. Um, so I guess another question is, how much do you promote individual resilience with your employees, and how important do you think individual resilience is to overall company resilience? Um. That's a really good question. It's it's honestly not something that I've you know, been fully transparent here. I've put too much thought into other than um, I think my biggest thing that I I push to people that I that either work on my team or that I work with is you, you know you have to go after what drives you and if you are passionate about something and you find that this is your niche, go for that and develop yourself within that area. Um, but at the same time, I'm also, if you're not happy, you're not happy, right? And there's no point in, in pushing forward and attempting to prove, I guess, that, that resilience within a, a role or a career path that you have absolutely no interest in. So. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where my mindset has, has been with that. Oh, if you don't mind, actually, being that we work in the same company, I kind of want to like just say, like, I know within our global security, we don't believe in being resilient to the point where you're like, you're burying, you're trying to like persevere. Like if you need a break, you need a break. Mm -hmm. and, and that space is made for you to take that break. So I guess that's why you were struggling a little bit. It might be because it, it was just a, to me, it's if you're not passionate, if you don't like it, then, then back off, right? And find what you what you want to do or, or take that, like you said, step away and take a break from it. But we do have, I think, a really good work-life balance and there's, you know, we're encouraged to take a break. Um, so it's never, we don't have that work, work, work or that work hard, play hard mentality, I guess. It's a good catch. Yeah, so part of part of the question was about um, you know the importance of personal preparedness to um, work with utilities, and one of the things I recommend is to have you know seventy two hours worth of food and water and and be able to sustain your home um, you know for a period of time, which obviously supports work from home. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of my more than the emotional resilience portion. It was also the overall physical resilience. Um, I just have one more question for you, um, and it's really left of boom. Stage hog, or, Matthew, you are a total stage hog. That's all I'm I saying. am. I question am. Question three. Here we go. I, you know how you know how little I get to talk to other physical security and crisis management people in this world. So. Um, so the question is, left of boom or right of boom, which do you enjoy more? I don't, what do you mean by that? So left of boom, preparing for the incident, all of the, um, all the mitigation, all of the preparedness, the planning, the exercises, or when the incident occurs, the response and getting the company back on the right path and doing doing the things to get business back up and running. Oh, it's definitely the latter. Um, I love the preparedness element of it. 
I, I really enjoy building and developing and, and working with different people in that creative process, but there's something about the adrenaline that comes with the moment something happens, right? And of course, the space that we sit in, it's always something different. Um, and I would, I would be lying if I said I did not enjoy that to some extent. So that's probably where I sit. Thank you. I'll, I'll yield to Jennifer. I know she's excited to ask some questions. <laughs> and stop harassing me, Matthew. Ashley, nice to meet you. Um, You're well. Super great. Thank you. And um, I was also raised by a single mom, so I feel like I'm part of the, the crew up here that was either raised by a single mom or was a single mom. Um, so super interesting. And uh, the first question I was going to ask you, you guys actually just got into, which was how your daughter um, you perceived your long hours and as you said, those nights. So you, you got into that. My second one was, I didn't necessarily hear it from the start, was how you made it, um, the transition from psychology to degree, or, or you know, what was that path from psychology to security? Yeah, so if I'm just being super, super honest, um, after I got my psychology de degree, I was, you know, you're faced with a couple of options. You can continue on. And really at this point, you need a PhD to get the jobs that I wanted. Um, and that's a lot more schooling that I just was not interested in. Um, and so I was already working at the time. I was actually going to school um, while I was working full time. So I stayed within that role of relationship management and then just by being recruited over to Equifax is really kind of, it just kind of fell into my lap. So it wasn't intentional by any means, but I do think having a background in psychology has helped me because I obviously am into how the mind works and how people think and why they do what they do and understanding different relationships. Um, but I also think that's helped me from a leadership perspective because I, I get there's just this huge, human element to that. And um, I, you know, I pride myself on being really empathetic within my role. And I think making sure that whoever works with me knows that, you know, you're going to always get the authentic version of me. Um, and I will support you through whatever so you can be open and transparent. That psychology background, I think, has helped me be an empathetic leader. Um, but as far as how it got me into to global security, it was really just by luck. And I'm super, super happy that it happened that way. Yeah, it's amazing how many of our careers, um, pe you know, people can say in hindsight they had a path or they had a track and a goal and it went straight there. But usually it's um, these, you know, zigs and zags and um, by chance. And I love the, um, I think everything is human, human in psychology. I was just listening to somebody talk about even AI, it'll just, it's always gonna have that human component to it. And so to your point, security is highly, especially under stress when um, Matthew, and again, I had no idea what he was talking about with the boom. I thought he was talking about sailing. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but, um, cause that's where my mind went, but it was like, but you're right. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, God, you're, you know, all those, the, the prep, preparation would be the less stressful part. And I was like, but God, I'd probably kill myself with boredom. So to your point, the um, the adrenaline, I would weigh, you know, I agree with you. And and understanding that in people, as you just said, everything's people, right? So how do you think this person's going to react? Why is this person reacting this way? Like what what's their perception or their, you know, role? So that I, I, I knew it would be very helpful in that area. I was just curious how you did that. So that's, thanks for the, um, sharing that. That's great. Yeah, no problem. 
I have to jump in and just ask, with that psychology degree, do you feel like you also understand the mind of the hacker? Like, is this adding to your cybersecurity team's resilience? That's somewhat, would, of, that's somewhat of a joke, but if you really want to answer that, I'm love. I would say probably not, but I think the people that I work with have helped me understand the mind of a hacker. I mean, maybe that's the way to solve the skills gap in cybersecurity is start <laughs> psychology um, graduates. I feel like we're on to right. something. Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not far off, Ryan. You're not far off. I feel like we do. There is a psychological perspective, and there's definitely a, a discipline that, that's there. So you're not far off. I feel like speak more about that. Hundred percent, because don't you say, Ryan? You can go in there, but hundred percent. When you talk to the hackers that were ex, I guess black hat guys that are now, they're like, look, you have to have that mindset to know what they're doing. And if you look just the rest of society with different people's things that they do, um, that are pushing boundaries or outside of boundaries, is are they doing it for nefarious reasons? Are they doing it for sport? Are they doing it because they're bored, like, or a show they can do it? Like, there's a lot of different reasons. So yeah. Huh. No, I just I just love that question, Jennifer, that you asked and the way that Ashley was taking it. I was like, please say that she's <laughs> like a hacker. And then I just started like. That's a good idea, actually, like maybe. And, and what I really was kind of taken by was how Ashley sort of slid under the radar and was like, oh, well, I got out um, with my degree and the path I wanted to take would have required more schooling. And so of course I'm like, well, what's the path that you wanted to take? So I, I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I was really Oh my God, serial that. killers? Is that what you wanted to Right. Yeah, if you, if you know me, I joke constantly that there's serial, serial killers everywhere, so. Um, yeah, that was that was really where I wanted to go with it. But then when I realized it was like another six years of school, I was like, oh, I really yeah, want to do that. get out of Washington. I feel like there's a connection to where you're from. There, there is definitely a connection. <laughs> okay, well, I'm probably overanalyzing, but I'm very happy. I'm sure you are where you're meant to be. And in a way you are kind of, you know, it sounds like in a similar ish field. Sorry, you just had to ask. This has been really interesting. So thank you uh, to everybody. Just I, and I agree. I don't know what Matthew was saying before at the boom. I was like, maybe I don't know. So just thanks. For <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's no. standard incident response and incident response stuff. It's a, uh, boom? I don't know. I would, it, don't feel, don't you're feel you're talking bad. to a guy who was a bomb dog handler for 20 years. <laughs> that more no, sense. I thought he was talking about like generational, like boomers. Like, do you like it before the digital age? Now, <laughs> I know my kids always say that yeah. I'm not. I'm not a boomer. I am a Gen X slash millennial. Like you, leave me alone. Yeah. yeah, I thought it might be that too. <laughs> we have. I was gonna. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say. I actually. I wanted to introduce her if I could. That's what I was pausing for. Um, so I'm always recruiting, and to the point where I think sometimes people are like, "Do you work for Clubhouse?" Um, but I really do love this community so much. So Jackie and I work together. She works with one of the partners that we uh, go to market together with um, to our clients. So Jackie, it's your first day on Clubhouse. <laughs> I am so thankful you joined us today. I, I, I. What do you have a question for Ashley? 
Um, yeah, so this is my first time using the app. Everyone give me grace. I'm hoping I'm clicking the right button. Yes, Katie I'm applauding you right now. Four hours ago. Oh, that's what that means. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, yeah, so I did have a quick question for you. First of all, thank you for speaking, Ashley. You've been wonderful to listen to. I find that, you know, in working in the industry, we talk to a lot of professionals that sometimes can have a sort of ego they bring to the table. And I find that you have no ego and you're so transparent and so approachable. And I find that um, very refreshing. So how do you remain that way in such a big global position? Thank you. That's actually a huge compliment. Um, so when I be, moved into leadership, one of the, there's two things that I set out to do. One was do everything that I love from every great leader I've ever been under. And the second was to never be that leader that I, that made me hate my jobs. Um, because I, I think that there are people, unfortunately, that are, sit within those roles that have that ego and they don't realize that there's a human, right? And you take the title away. There is a person who outside of that job has other things that could be going on and to be in, you know, to, to be that person creating such a toxic environment is just a horrible experience. So for me, it was, don't ever be condescending. Don't ever be belittling. You know, there's a right time and a right way to have a conversation. But I think humility goes a very long way, um, regardless of what your position is. And um, that's really something that I just try to instill in everything that I do. So I, I'm excited that it's coming off that way. <laughs> Well, thank you. It is definitely coming off that way. Um, I'm sure others can speak to this, but, um, you know, it's a big position to be not only protecting such a big company, but having so many people that report to you and work to you. And I think that finding somebody that can have humility and remember at the end of the day that even if there is a breach, you know, sometimes people can make mistakes and it's a human being is, is wonderful. So that's awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Can I ask a quick question? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, so earlier when you were talking about people telling you you can't do something and you said it was actually more women that said this, um, mm -hmm. this just reminds me of coming up in my career, which is um, which was also the case. Women can be really harsh, um, but it's the queen bee syndrome. So instead of being arrogant, it's more of an insecurity that you got there, you got to the limited top and there's not a lot of pie. So you don't, you know, if you bring somebody else up, you're now sharing the pie versus increasing the pie, right? So do, do you think that that could be part of the um, equation versus just um, arrogance, that it's actually an insecurity or seeing it, their role as limited or, or threatened? Oh, 100%, I think right. 100%. You know, women, we've, we've made a lot of, of headway, right? But we still have a long way to go within corporate America. And I think there's definitely this element of of being threatened um, because they also have have fought to get into that position and they don't want to lose that. Um, so that limited space, I think they just react almost impulsively instead of looking at the bigger picture, right? We can kind of start to break down those walls together versus fighting against each other. And that will <laughs> help, you know, solve the problem. But I, I get where people are coming from on that. Um, I think I'm just more of the mindset of 
let's figure this out together and I don't want to be a part of that problem. Yeah, I want to kind of jump in and do a remix it really quickly before I kind of double click on that because um, I think this is, I love the way this, where this conversation is going. We are on the fireside chat with Ashley Forte, the global uh, senior director and global head of crisis management for Equifax. Uh, we do this every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and if you are not a member of Clubhouse, you know, of Fireside Chat, click on that green uh, house at the top to get alerted when we do things. Again, we do this every Wednesday. And, you know, as we kind of said, our opinions are our own and not representative of our companies. Um, I want to double click on that because uh, on the conversation, just because, you know, I think all of us have been in situations where we've had um, either people have tried to put us against other women or women have seen us as a threat and i think it's so important to what you said ashley that when we actually go together and we're actually doing things and we're breaking down barriers together we can go so much further right and i want like i want to um just actually like where do you see that and how do you see that manifesting in your day-to-day just because i love the women of Equifax, you know <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, we have some really amazing women at Equifax. And I think that once again, I, I've spoken on it a couple of times with culture. And I think that comes from top down is that that type of behavior of right of working against each other really isn't tolerated. Um, and so where I see us going, at least within Equifax is we're making amazing strides to ensure that we are inclusive and that we create space for women. Um, you know, Octavia, you and I are, are working on a program now to, to do just that, but giving women within security a voice and giving them that space to grow, whatever that is that they desire, if it's leadership or if it's developing, you know, better technical skill sets how can we help you and mentoring each other um and what we have seen through that is this really cool reception um but surprisingly a lot of you know men are applauding that effort um because they're acknowledging and and through that women working together and empowering each other i think it's slowly changing the view of other women and um, men and how they, you know, they're, they're starting to see that we are a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, when we band together, we can create some really amazing things. And a lot of women within our organization, especially within security, um, are starting to move up into more of those senior leadership type positions, which I think is really awesome to see. If I could uh, ask a quick question on that one, actually, Ashley, and um, I, you know, I've gotten to know Octavia just by osmosis and, and hanging out together every single Wednesday night. It's amazing uh, spending time with you, Octavia, and I feel like I know you uh, being able to, you're like my, my, my date, my, every, my, my Wednesday night date is with Octavia and Tomas and the rest <laughs> of the group, and I love it. 
Um, and one of the things that's really come through, though, is that Equifax has created this amazing culture. And um, you just said, uh, Ashley, created space for women to achieve the goals that they are trying to achieve that will benefit, you know, the company and then and, and themselves as well. And, um, you know, I have to say, we talked about how other women can help empower. We talked about how other how men can as well. You know, I've mentioned I've had a number of male mentors as well as a number of female mentors that have helped me along in my career and have given me opportunities and seats at the table. Can you go back to one thing though, because there's one thing that I, I wanted to understand because I really do respect your, your, what you guys are doing. How are you guys getting rid of, and I guess it's not necessarily to your company, but in your experience in your career, how do you get rid of the toxic person in that um, org chart though? The, the person who is creating conflict or is trying to exclude someone based on their um, you know socioeconomic neurodiverse or gender or ethnic background you know how do how does that work within a large organization and what are the like what are the procedures and methods you can do that i could i could say that might be a crisis it definitely could be um from my experience what you know what equifax has done is Equifax invests in their their teams and they embrace inclusion and diversity. Um, but not only do they embrace it, they promote it on so many different levels. And we just, I mean, just what last month, I think we, or maybe the month prior, we had a really cool women's forum and having, you know, so many people turn out just to listen to women within Equifax speak. Um, but when you have that, I guess, you know, somebody who might be noticeably kind of not really, you know, buying what Equifax is selling um, when it comes to how our culture operates, I think it's just having those candid conversations. It's It doesn't have to be confrontational, at least that's been my experience, is just finding ways to to casually sneak in you know, um, an example of how that could impact. And, and for me, it's always, because there have been a couple of times that, and not at Equifax, just in general, where I've had to just kind of pull somebody aside. And I think one of the things that I've always taken away from one of my professors in college was um, sometimes doing the right thing is uncomfortable. And when you hear somebody say something that you know is wrong, Mm -hmm. you have to have that uncomfortable conversation um, and it's not going to be easy. So for me, it's always prefacing like, Hey, this is, this is kind of an uncomfortable conversation, but something you just said impacted me or I, or I saw it impact another. Um, and, and here's why. And just kind of trying to, you know, without making them feel guilty. Cause I think when you make somebody feel guilty, they're not receptive. They become very defensive and they put that wall back up versus I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to shame you. So, I think with Equifax, it's just the number of opportunities they provide for us, you know, subconscious bias trainings that we get to participate in, um, giving space to people known that we are a diverse company and not only are we diverse, but we embrace it and we support it, um, I think is how they have driven this culture. Yeah, and I don't know if this was an Equifax phrase or, or one of yours, but I, what really struck me, and I wrote it down and circled it, was just creating space. They created space for you. 
Um, so yeah, I appreciate that feedback. And, and it sounds like if you fundamentally do those things, um, you will, you know, continue to do all the things that we want to do from a cybersecurity perspective and in creating these teams that we um, are all talking about every day on, in all these different rooms on Clubhouse. Like, how do we recruit all this talent? How do we retain talent? Well, it sounds like you create space for mm -hmm. somebody to actually be able to, to tune into their um, acumen and uh, achieve their objectives and, oh, by the way, do a great thing for your company. So, yeah, it's amazing. I thank you, Ashley. Yeah, and I would actually say, and I know Matthew, you want to say something. I'm gonna let you all really just. I wanted to comment, right? And it's something that I learned early on in my career. Um, when we compete against other people and other women, especially um, those who are not like those that are not in that competition, it's kind of like a fight when you're in high school, right? Everybody's looking at the person who fought, like the people who are fighting. And they're like, oh my God, like, why are they, ugh? and like, nobody really wants to be around the people who are fighting. So it limits the ability for you to actually move up and, and move because you're just seen as this toxic person. So if we can kind of take away, like, and to start supporting women and take away that competition, then everyone else around sees that we're collaborative or we're team players and everybody rises instead of it only being one seat at the table for women. But I'll let you, Matthew, I know you had something to say. Yeah, I mean, that, that's hard to follow, but my question was pretty simple. Um, Ashley mentioned early on that, you know, when she got interested in crisis management and everything else, she read a ton of books. And I was wondering, you know, for the group that's here, what book would she recommend if they wanted to know more about crisis management and why? Oh, gosh. Uh, what is sticking off the top of my head is there's a book called Crisis Ready. I think that was one of the first books that I read um, and really kind of changed my mindset on this element of being prepared. So Crisis Ready stands up. There's another one. I, I honestly would have to post the post it in the chat later, but there's an emergency response book that was really, really good as well, because it gave the history of where emergency response came from and why it is where it is today. So understanding, you know, even just how FEMA originated and just the different policy changes year over year. And it was all from the lessons learned and actioning those lessons learned. Um, so there's probably those two books, Crisis Ready, and I would love to give you the name of the emergency response book, but I don't have it off the top of my head. But it was a really good read, and it really helped me reframe our entire program. I would definitely love to post in our chat or on LinkedIn. I'm super curious. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, and thank you for sharing the space. Welcome. Octavia, were you going to go into, because we're, we're winding down a little bit, right? Yeah. So we have about nine minutes left. And so can I, can I, would you like to ask the question or, or do you want to? No, I want to go kind of, like, into, no, kind of go into the reset and then also just kind of, 
uh, wine now, but you can go ahead, Katie. That was it. I just wanted to um, make sure that everyone knew we had about nine minutes left, and um, we're you know here in the fireside chat with Ashley Corte, and uh, really appreciating the conversation. And if anyone has any last minute uh, questions as we wind down into the half hour, we want to be respectful of Ashley's time. Um, and again, thank you, Ashley, for spending this time with us. Um, just uh, you know, if, if go ahead and flash your mic if you have another question, Jennifer, Ryan, Jackie. Oh, looks like Ryan has one. Go ahead, Ryan. I would just love to know, like, what are your goals? What's next, personal or, you know, where does someone who's the in charge of a crisis management at Equifax, like, what, what, what do you work towards, or what's your goal? That's a really good question. Um, I really would like to watch our our program continue to grow and flourish I think we've come a long way over the last few years um and i think it would be amazing to get into the space where we can actually do peer-to-peer -peer and partner with other organizations we as a as a company have learned a lot i have learned a lot and um you know we believe in being transparent so I would love to start to be able to work with other organizations and share what we have done so that they can do the same. Because at the end of the day, you know, competitors are not, we're all in this together when it comes to what we're protecting um, and what our roles are within our business. Um, so that's really where my vision is right now is how can I get our program to the next level to where we can really start to collaborate with other businesses. That's amazing. I really was not sure what to expect. And sometimes I'm like, oh, so-and-so is in this position. Maybe they want this one. And I was like, oh, I wonder what she's going to say. Um, <laughs> so that's really, I actually think that's, to be honest, brilliant. Um, but that said, I think I realized I'm almost like almost a second delayed. You know, I, I know we've talked about the single mom thing and all, but in a way, it sounds like this program's like your baby. Like you literally said you started someone... I think you said left and someone got promoted to another team or something like that. And so this program has been, sounds like, like your, your, your next child or your, your other baby. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really great. And I hope to, uh, I just wish you all the best and, and all the success. It sounds honestly just like an amazing, uh, vision to be completely honest, not only for, from a security perspective, but also from a proactive like company standpoint. I, I would you. love to work for a company that hopefully thinks like that, if that makes sense. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And do we have, so we're about five minutes. Do we have anyone who has any last minute questions for Ashley? If not, I will turn it over to Ashley for, uh, for last words. Um, so we don't necessarily have to go all the way to 930. Um, but I wanted, you know, actually, if you have any closing thoughts or anything to share with, with the audience. Yeah, this has been for me just a, a great experience. I've truly enjoyed this, this dialogue and having the opportunity to meet you all. Um, it's just been a great conversation. It's already got my mind thinking about so many other different things. So this was also my first clubhouse experience. Thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll definitely be back. Um, 
like they're probably popping in from you know time and time again as i'm able to but i just appreciate all of your your questions and thought-provoking ideas and such so thank you for having me and it's been an absolute pleasure awesome thank you ashley thank you everyone for your participation i hope you again to all the mothers happy mother's day and i hope you all have a great week Thank you. Thank you. Everybody have a good night. Bye. Bye.